Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and uh, if you've been coming for a few weeks, you might not have seen very much of me. I was in Cambodia, and then this Friday we're leaving for Cuba, and I realized last night I hadn't preached for five weeks here at New Life. That doesn't mean I haven't preached for five weeks. I actually ask my wife and children, and I preach all the time. But, but anyway, given the opportunity, I always love to tell people about Jesus who has transformed my life and so many of our lives uh, from the inside out. And today, uh, we're in this series called The Four T's of Generosity, and we're going to talk about talents. When I was a little kid in Bible school, we used to sing this song about talents, and I'm not going to sing it for you this morning, but the words went like this. If you have a talent, use it for the Lord. If you have a talent, use it for the Lord. For if you do not use it, you will surely lose it. If you have a talent, use it for the Lord. So today, as I said, we are going to talk about the T of talent, but last week Pastor Mark kicked off the series with an amazing sermon about um, time. And then next week, Pastor Barry's going to tell us about treasure, and then I'll close out the series the next week with a, a message on touch. But talent is an interesting word, because in the Bible, it never occurs except to talk about money. It's a measure of money. A talent is a weight of gold or silver or other precious metal. Um, but we, we know the parable of the talents, and often whenever preachers preach about the parable of the talents, Jesus' parable of the talents, they talk about these natural abilities or gifts. In fact, the, the uh, definition of talent, according to dictionary.com, is a special natural ability or aptitude. And the example they give is a talent for drawing. And we'd all agree with that, right? That there are natural abilities or aptitudes, talents, that we all have, that God has given us. And uh, in the parable of the talents, Jesus actually talks about that, although it's not really about that, because Jesus tells us there was a master who went on a way on a trip, and he had three servants, and he gave one of them five talents of gold, the next one two talents of gold, and the third one one talent of gold, and then it says this, each according to their ability or their talent. They had a certain talent, and, and, and the master knew what it was, and so he entrusted one with five bags of gold, of talents of gold, and so on. We're not going to talk about the parable of the talents today. I want to turn to the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Roman Christians, chapter 12, because there he talks about what it means to be gifted. Now, there's a word we also use in different ways in our culture. Often when we say somebody is gifted, what we mean is they have a special ability, whether it's an academic ability or a musical ability or a sports ability, we say they're really gifted. And uh, th that's a very good use of the word, as long as we remember this. Just because you're not good in math or you're not good in baseball or you're not good in playing you know, a guitar, that doesn't mean you're not gifted. We all have gifts. But the kind of gift we're going to talk about today in conjunction with this message on talents is spiritual gifts. Because everybody who's born again, according to Jesus, everybody who's born again receives the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive a gift or gifts that we can use to bring glory to God and so that we can help others. And today, we're going to look into that. So, the take-home point for today, and those of you who are new, we have one point we seek to make in all of our messages. This point today is this, that God gives all of us skills and talents, those natural abilities, and then he gives every believer a spiritual gift or gifts to glorify him and to help others. God even gives skills and talents to people who don't believe in him. I find it a little ironic 
that some of the most outspoken atheists are very intelligent people, and God gave them that intelligence, and yet they deny that he exists. A little bit odd, really, if you think about it. But we all have these natural gifts and abilities. And, or I, let me not use the word gift yet. Spiritual gifts are only for those who have trusted Jesus, Savior, and Lord. But natural abilities are given to, by God to everybody. Everybody has them. And we're supposed to use them to glorify God and to help one another. Uh, actually, to help all others, not just one another. So in this relatively new year of 2018, I am so glad to be part of this church family called New Life Christian Ministries because God has given us so many natural abilities and so many spiritual gifts that we can use together, not just individually, we're supposed to use them individually, but together here in Saxonburg, in our region, in our nation, and even to the very ends of the earth so that we can indeed bring glory to God and so that we can help others come to know him. So what we're going to do right now, as I said, is we're going to turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. If you have your Bible or Bible app, you might want to turn there. But before we get into the word of God, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you care about us enough, that you give us talents, natural abilities and aptitudes, and that when we trust your son, Jesus, Savior and Lord, you give us spiritual gifts. And, and the purpose of all of them is to bring you glory and honor and to help others. Those who don't know you come to know you and those who do know you to grow up to be more like you. Today I have a simple prayer, God. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits that we might receive your truth and that we might be empowered by your spirit to live it out in our daily lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So in Romans 12, 1, we read this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Therefore is the first word. I, I was taught by one of my uh, teachers, a, a pastor named uh, Arthur Pace, when you see a therefore in the Bible, you should stop and see what it's there for. And uh, the reason it's there is because it sums up the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. In the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, what the Apostle Paul has established is all of us are sinners. It doesn't matter whether we're God's chosen people, the Jews, or whether all the rest of us, Gentiles, we're all sinners. And there's no way out of that sin except for the blood of Jesus Christ. He establishes that. He establishes that Jesus died on the cross to redeem us, that is to set us free from sin and death, to become Savior and Lord in our lives. And he establishes in those first 11 chapters that Jesus returned to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so that we can live a life that is absolutely different than the natural life that we're born into, a life of sin, and that we can overcome the sin and live in his power. So he establishes that in so much more, and then he says, therefore. And, and we could put it this way. We could sum it up by saying, because of. Because of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, because of his life-giving spirit within us, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, we all use the word sacrifice. We know what the word sacrifice means. But for us, it means usually to give up something, like to, to maybe we, we are going to give up spending so much money so we can save more, so we can give more away. Or maybe we're going to, you know, we're going to give up sitting on the couch to go exercise, to discipline, to make our bodies stronger. Those are what we mean. Things like that is what we mean when we say sacrifice. But when Paul's readers read the letter to the Romans, as soon as they heard the word sacrifice, they would have thought of an animal being slaughtered to a deity to appease the deity or to do some, in some way to make the deity pleased. 
And so when Paul says that we are supposed to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, that's a little odd because most sacrifices, when you put them on the altar, you kill them, they're dead. But Paul is saying we're supposed to be a living sacrifice. Our lives are his to use however he wants. And the reason for that is because he created us. We belong to him. And we rejected that ownership. And Jesus came on and lived a perfect life and died on the cross to purchase us back. We are owned by God. We rejected the ownership. And Jesus buys us back. And because of that, what Paul says is we're supposed to live these lives that are holy, set apart for God. And and he says that will be pleasing to God. And when we know that life, that life that is the will of God for us, there's nothing like that. And so that's what Paul has said in the first 11 chapters. And now he's going to move forward uh, and tell us about what it means to live out our giftedness. But I I want to say one more thing about this sacrifice. Generosity in all four areas, time, talents, treasure, and touch, it comes to us because of our recognition that all we are and all we have belongs to God. Once we realize we belong to God and that he purchased us back again, then we're going to live our lives in a way that brings him glory and helps others. So Paul continues, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The original Greek there tells us that we shouldn't be molded or pressed in a form like jello by the world But what we ought to be doing is we ought to be living our lives transformed by the renewing of our minds. I love that verse. There are so many people that think that Christianity is just about emotions or feeling good. And certainly Christianity has emotions. And we ought to feel good because the God of the universe sent his only son to die in our place so that we can have a new life. But it isn't just that. What Paul is saying here is that our minds must be renewed. We must have the truth of God brought into our minds and that will renew them so that our lives will be transformed as we live out God's good, pleasing, and perfect will in our lives. Paul reminded us that the Christian life is not just about emotions. It's not just about feeling good. It's about day by day by day becoming more and more the person that God created us to be. And we will only do that as we read his word, as we get it into our minds first and then into our hearts. And that, you know, they always say the the longest distance in the world is the 18 inches from here to here, right? We can get something in our mind, but until we get it into our heart, it doesn't really change us. So then Paul continues, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. You know, we live in a culture where everyone gets a trophy, right? If you sign up for the team, at the end of the season, you get a trophy. But what Paul says, it doesn't matter what the world thinks of us. It really doesn't matter what the world says about how good we are or about how bad we are. What really matters is what God thinks of us. And what he says is, once we're born again, we are all given a new life. And he says, so in that situation of faith, we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we should. And I would add, we shouldn't think less of ourselves than we should either, because Jesus died for us. Jesus shed his innocent blood to purchase our lives, so we should think neither too low of ourselves or too high of ourselves. What we should do is think based on the measure of faith we have. And what Paul says is, we all have different measures of faith. Maybe your faith is a small amount. Maybe your faith is a big amount. Whatever it is, though, that faith ought to be what we turn to, not the world's rewards or the world's punishments, when we assess who we are 
where we're going in our lives today. And so as Paul makes that very clear to us, that our estimate of ourselves should not be what the world says or what we think when we look in the mirror, but it should be based on what God thinks of us. And remember, he, he thinks a lot of us because he died on the cross in his son Jesus Christ to save us from sins. So we live in this incredibly individualistic culture, actually an incredibly individualistic world. And as we live in that world, it's a, it's a sort of a, it's a, a paradox, if you will, because we are so connected. I mean, just a couple days ago, I, well, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I had a conversation with a person in Cambodia through WhatsApp. It's a text messaging thing. I found out that something was going on. It actually already happened at 8 o'clock in the morning, which was 8 o'clock last night, our time. They started a new ministry in Cambodia, which is 500 fourth, fifth, and sixth grade teachers are being taught how to teach English to thousands of children in the Bonte Miche province. And the, the cool thing is the, the content that they're using to teach the English is my precious book. It's a children's Bible. And actually, we've bought many of those Bibles here at New Life, and you know we gave them money, and they've been purchasing and sent over there. But the point is, we're so connected, and yet so many of us feel isolated. We wake up in the morning, and we could be connected with Cambodia or any other nation in the world, um, we could talk, video chat, whatever, and yet many of us feel like we're not part of something that's important. And Paul says, yes, we are something a part of very, something very important. This is what he says. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Paul's favorite image of the church was that of the body of Jesus Christ. And it's an image that all of us can understand because we all have a body. We all know that our bodies are made up of many members, and yet all of those members, when they're working together, produce amazing things. Now, yes, we could live without a kidney, and I'm living without an appendix and tonsils. They took those out a while ago, and I'm okay with that, without those things. But our bodies are intended for every single part of the body to work in harmony to produce glorifying God and helping others. That's why God created us in the first place, to glorify him, to enjoy his presence in our lives, to help others. And what Paul was saying is, you're never alone. You're never isolated. You and I are members of the body of Jesus Christ in the world, but we're also part of this church family known as New Life Christian Ministries. And your part is vital. What you do, what Paul is saying is, you're a member of the body. And if you don't do what you were created to do, nobody else can do it. If I don't do what I was created to do, nobody else can do that. And so when we think that we're not important, when we think we have no value, we need to remember what God created us to be and to do. He created us to be his children, and he created us to live out our um, lives as a family, as members of the body of his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul said that we all have differences and those differences are used just as the differences in the parts of our body give us the ability to do different things. And he put it this way. He said, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. 
So whatever gifts we've been given, God intends us to use them effectively, generously, and cheerfully. And I should have added diligently because that's one of the ones. What Paul did was he gave us specific examples for specific gifts of how we can use them. He, he told us, for example, the one he said, if your gift is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Think about that. What if your gift is showing mercy, but you don't do it cheerfully? Hey, Dave, I'm going to help you, but I really don't want to. I, I just, it just makes me sick that i got to help you. That would not be a very good gift of mercy, would it? But when we give mercy, we're supposed to do it cheerfully. It says when we give, we're supposed to do it generously. We're not supposed to give grudgingly. He says when we're governing or leading, we're supposed to do it diligently. All of those, and even the ones that he doesn't modify. He says, if your gift is serving, well, then serve. It's like he's exhorting us to remember, if you don't do what God created you to do, nobody else can do it. If I don't do what God created me to do, no one else can do it. And so that's what Paul is saying. We're gifted and we have talents. He doesn't say talents here. He's talking about spiritual gifts. But the same applies to our talents. If you have a talent, use it for the Lord, right? Because if you don't use it, it's going to go away. And more importantly than that, somebody who needs to experience the glory of God won't. And somebody who needs to know Jesus might not know it. The skills and talents of this church are incredible. One of the things that's such a blessing to me is when I hear somebody's car breaks down and they don't have enough money to get it fixed, somebody in the church can do that. Somebody in the church had a problem with a hearing problem. We had two audiologists in this church, you know, they helped out. So somebody has a problem with a budget and there's a lot of people that can help put a budget together. You name the problem and there's somebody here that can help to address that problem. And, and so I have a really big question right now. The question is this, what skills, talents, and gifts has God given you? What skills, talents, and gifts has God given you? So often when I have a discussion with somebody about this, what they say is, well, I don't really have any talents, and I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. The truth of the matter is, when it comes to gifts and talents, false humility or, or ignorance aren't going to help build up the body of Jesus Christ. I want to get real practical right now. Because so often when we talk about talents in the church or giftedness in the church, we immediately think about what, what shows up here on stage. We think about the people that can play musical instruments, the people that can sing, the people that can preach. We think about the people who offer hospitality or who do children's ministry or youth ministry. And believe me, all of those are important. But what about the person whose ability, special ability, is numbers or organization or sewing a dress, or taking blood pressures, or dribbling a basketball, or, or driving nails. What, what about the people that have those different kind of gifts and abilities? The, the truth of the matter is, we need people who can preach, and people who can play music, and, and people who can help teach children, and we certainly need people who can you know, uh, help middle schoolers go navigate those middle school years. And if that's you, praise God. But there are many, many, many other gifts and skills and abilities that God has given us. And they're to be used every day, not just on the weekends, but every day out there in what some people call the real world. I always go like this when I say real world, because I think the real world is the world where Jesus Christ is king. But the real world out there where people don't even maybe know Jesus and you work and live and go to school and do the things that you do, what about the gifts and skills that God has given you? How do you use them then? So many times in my church life, which now extends through six decades, a pastor teaches about talents and all it is about stuff that will help the church. But what if you're a landscaper? How do you use your skills to glorify God? 
I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said this 500 years ago. He said, a Christian shoemaker doesn't glorify God by inscribing a cross on every shoe he makes, but by making good shoes. Let me say that again. A Christian shoemaker doesn't glorify God by inscribing a cross on every shoe he makes, but by making good shoes. My primary work is working in the church these days, but I've had other jobs as well. I've been a carpenter. I've been a gas station attendant. I've been a school teacher and a pastor. In all those four tasks, one of the things I've realized is when I was putting a roof on somebody's house or when I was pumping gas or when I was helping a child learn how to say their R's or when I'm preaching a message, each of those things glorifies God. If you had come to Princeton Junction, New Jersey in the summer of 1982, you would have come to, and come to Will's Shell Station. I will tell you this. If I pumped your gas... You got, if you wanted $5 worth, you got $5 worth, or $5.01, because we always would go low, never under, right? If you wanted your oil checked, I always would do that correctly, except for one time. I will be on. One night, one night it was a thunderstorm out. I couldn't see really well, and I put that thing, you know, I put the funnel, and I thought it was in the thing where it's supposed to be, but when the guy left, there was a quart of oil on the pavement. And I was like, ooh, I don't even know who that guy was, and he'd probably never come back. Probably isn't going to come back in that car, <laughs> you know? But the point is, I did the very best I could do. And yeah, I made mistakes, and we all make mistakes, right? We, we don't, we're not perfect. But the talents and gifts and skills we have are to be used to the glory of God. That's how it was created for us to be, and that's how we're supposed to do it. And one of the things that, um, that we don't maybe realize is when Jesus was walking on the earth, he had thousands of people came after him. I'm not saying they were all following him. There were crowds of people, thousands of them, right? Everywhere Jesus went because he was healing people and casting out demons, he attracted a crowd. But he only chose 12 of them to actually be his disciples. What did he expect the rest of them to do? Well, we know at least what he expected one of them to do. There's a guy who we call Legion. He's found in Mark's gospel, the fifth chapter. And in that chapter, what we find is this guy was possessed not by one demon, but probably by thousands of demons. And Jesus cast the demons out of him. And so this guy is now so grateful to Jesus. He says, please let me go with you. I want to be one of your disciples. And what Jesus says is, no, you can't be one of my disciples. I want you to go home where you live, and I want you to tell people what God has done in your life. And so Legion listens. He goes back, and we don't know if he was a good public speaker or not. What we do know is this guy who was a berserk maniac goes back, and he's calm and he's normal, and he's telling people about what God has done in his life. And we are told at the end of the Gospel of Mark chapter 5 that the people who heard him were amazed. Now, what does that have to do with your talents and my talents? I think it has a lot to do with it because it says this to us. When Jesus makes us whole, we have the opportunity to share him with others. When Jesus makes us whole, we have the opportunity to share him with others. Um, let's say... For example, that you're a barber or you're a cosmetologist. And so what does that mean? It means that you have the opportunity to cut people's hair, the opportunity to do perms and do the things that cosmetologists and barbers do. I've thought about this a lot, you know, because I think, what an opportunity. This person comes in and sits down in your chair for a half an hour. And you could tell them about anything you want to tell them, right? You can talk about anything for a half an hour. And they're going to stay there because if they move, you know, their hair's going to look weird. 
It's almost like, I guess the only one better would be a dentist, right? Because they can't, you can't even talk back. But, but the point is, if you have a talent, like being a barber or a cosmetologist or whatever, you have this opportunity. And the thing is, once Jesus comes into your life, again, you're not going to cut little crosses in the back of everybody's head. You're going to do the best haircut you can do, the best permanent you can do. You're going to do the best that you can do. And over time, people might say, whoa, you know, you used to be a good like, cosmetologist. Now you're awesome. What happened? And here's what you say. Jesus, I'm using my talents for him. Now, the ball is now in your customer's court, right? The, the, the person can say, oh, and then talk about the penguins. Why would you? But anyway, you know, you, you might talk about something else. Then you know, okay, I'm done with that. Or they might say, really? Tell me more about that. And then you have the opportunity, because of doing a good job at what your talent and skill was, because you did that, they will give you the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Because everybody wants to be better at what they do. At least most people do. In fact, if you ask most people in America, do you love your job, you'll get a resounding no. Statistically, the vast majority of people in America do not like what they do. So if you just wake up in the morning and you go to school or to work or you stay home with your children, and you have an attitude of gratitude for what God has done. You have an attitude of, I get to do this instead of, I have to do this. You have an attitude that says, there's something in my life that is awesome, and that something isn't something, it's someone, Jesus, people will stand up and notice. And eventually, we will have the opportunity to tell people about the truth that we have in us, about the life that we have in us, about the love that we have in us, just because we use our talent to the glory of God. That's why we cannot say only the people who are on stage or only the people who are in the children's ministry or only the people who are in the youth ministry are using their talents for God. Every human being who has been given a natural aptitude or a special ability and who uses them in conjunction with the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to change the world. And that, I, I know you're, I'm not exaggerating, you do. Can you imagine? It says 10 cities were changed because of Legion's method, message, and, and the message was simple. <laughs> I was demon-possessed, and now I'm not. And you can see that. Yeah, there has to be some noticeable difference, but when the noticeable difference comes, it's a testimony. And here we are, New Life Christian Ministries, hundreds of people gathered in this little town of Saxonburg. And in the year of 2018, we have the opportunity, not just individually, but together, to multiply the impact of our talents and our gifts for this community and for our region and for our nation and, and to the very ends of the earth. That's why we are members of the body of Jesus Christ. It's so that we can show the world the glory of God and so we can help them also to come to know him. You know, mostly people think of Christians not very positively. They think we're haters. They, they think that we're, you know, wet blankets. Like when you go to a party, don't go with the Christian because you're going to have a miserable time. They think if you go to a sporting event, don't go with the Christian because you're going to have a miserable time. That's not the truth. I mean, it shouldn't be the truth. It might be the truth for some Christians. But we have the very words of life to share with people. 
We have the talents and skills and abilities that put us in all different kinds of work all over this community and region so that we can be the light and salt that God created us to be all over this region. So you're not going to be surprised by this morning's commitment. The commitment is this. I will use my skills, talents, and gifts to glorify God and help others this week. I will use my skills, talents, and gifts to glorify God and help others this week. Now, Everybody can use talents and skills to glorify God. Even a non-believer can actually do that because when you do what you were created to do, it brings glory to God, but it's not purposeful. But it says, my skills and my gifts. Only followers of Jesus Christ have spiritual gifts. That's just a, that's just a reality. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can be a good person. You can, you can use your talents in a way that will honor God. But what you can't do is you can't use your gifts to glorify him. And you can't use your gifts to help others become part of the body of Jesus because you're not part yet. And so right now I would encourage you, if you're here in the room or if you're watching online and Jesus Christ is not Lord and Savior in your life, this is the best time ever. There's never going to be a better time than this moment to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, which means owner. It means that from now on, our lives are living sacrifices, and we get to do what he wants us to do. And also Savior, which means he saves us from that sin and from the death that all of us are going to face. And once that happens, we are, Jesus called it, being born again. And when we're born again, we're born of the Spirit, and then the Spirit gives us a gift or gifts that we can use in addition to, in conjunction with, those natural talents and abilities to bring God glory and to help others. So right now, we're going to take a moment, and I, I just want to use one more illustration about somebody who's using a natural ability and a spiritual gift to change hundreds of lives. Her name is Jenny Taylor. Jenny Taylor um, is a school teacher by, um, by education. And uh, she's right now in Cambodia, and she's leading this work of teaching Cambodian teachers, first of all, to learn English so that they can share English. So she's using her natural abilities and skills to um, glorify God and to help others by showing them how to, to learn English. But the thing that, that's really powerful about this is she's also using her spiritual gifts of leadership and encouragement in that process. And so the spiritual gift and the natural talent put together is more than either one individually. So never think that you can only use a spiritual gift here in church, and then you can only use your talents out in the world. Because God intended and created us to use our spiritual gifts and our natural talents together here and out in the world. So that ultimately hundreds and then thousands and then millions and then billions of people will hear the good news. And then the ball will be in their court. It doesn't matter what your job is. If you do your job well and you share the gospel, that's your job. That's my job. And then after that, it's up to the Holy Spirit in that person's life. And we can continue to pray and encourage and challenge and correct each other. And that's what we're called to do. And I'm so grateful we get to do that. But let's pray right now. And I'm, I want to pray especially for any who just asked Jesus to be Savior and Lord in, in your life. And also for the rest of us, that we would never forget, and I, I guess let me put it in a positive, always remember that what we do matters, and it matters eternally. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that you loved us so much that when we rejected your ownership, you didn't reject us. 
And God, I pray for any in this room, anybody watching online who in the past few moments has trusted you as Savior and Lord. I pray, God, even right in this moment that somebody would say, yes, God, I want you to be in charge of my life. I don't want to be in charge anymore. I want you to be Lord. I want to know you personally as my Savior and Lord. And God, in that moment, as that ownership transfers, the heart is changed, the soul is changed, the spirit is changed, everything is changed. And God, I, I thank you that for many of us, we've experienced that transformation. And I pray that we would continue to experience it. I pray that we would continue to grow in your Spirit's power. That we would continue to use the talents you've given us along with the spiritual gifts you've given us to glorify you, to make this body stronger, this body of Jesus Christ, and also to glorify you in the community, in our region, our nation, in the world, and to help those out there and, and among us who don't yet know you to come to know you. That you would be ultimately praised and your kingdom would grow. In Jesus' name, we ask this prayer. Amen.